This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show on the Blaze where you come for the action, but you stay for the principles and the love and defense of American exceptionalism. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful week having a relaxing Saturday. Man, what a week in American politics. You know, before we get started, because I have a lot to talk to you about today, and I have an announcement to make, which I think you're going to enjoy, and I think you might like, but that's for later in the show. But, you know, I have a challenge for you before we get into some principles I want to discuss with you today. And the challenge is this. Could you all have, like, a week which is dull and boring, where, like, I'm struggling to find things to talk about? I was doing my show prep for the show, and I was like, "Wow, I've, I could do a, I could easily do a five-hour show on the stuff I need to talk to you about today." But we're going to condense it down and and talk to you about the really important stuff, um, and we're going to keep this as close to an hour as we can. So, what do I want to talk to you about today? I want to talk to you about economics. I want to talk to you about principles. I want to talk to you, um. I want to share, start off by sharing, going in a different direction. I want to share a question with you. If you're a long-time listener, um, you might remember a segment I did last year where I called it Life in Utopia, where you asked me any questions you wanted, and I answered them on a weekly basis. Some were short answers, some were long answers. And one of the things I really am blessed with this show is is everyone who listens um, the interaction I get with you, whether it's public that everyone can see or private messages, I really appreciate you, uh, and I love love interacting with you. And this week I had a interesting interaction with someone, and we had a good back and forth. We agreed to disagree, and I want to share that with you because they asked the question at the end of it, which I want to share the answer with you because I think it might get you thinking. So this person messaged me during the week. And it was actually last week. And, you know, their their aim of the conversation was Donald Trump is the most important American. And I disagreed. And they gave out the reasons because of all the things he needs to do and all the, the, the business he needs to get done. And I disagreed. And I said, I said, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I went, you know, you listen to the show or you say you do. The most important thing I say each and every show is 
you know, I, I hope you take some of the substance that I give you and the principles and, and the knowledge. I hope you take it and make it your own and then use it in your own arguments. But I always feel that, you know, if you don't listen, if you don't absorb anything I say in the whole show, and the only thing you get from each and every week is this, America is great because Americans are good. And I said, this is the place I'm coming from. I believe in what the Tocqueville said. This is the America I love. I love America, the idea. I defend it. I try and promote it. And I'm in a different place. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, this is the place I'm at. And I'll never say it's not a Trump bash. It's not a bad thing about Donald Trump or anything. It's it's just a politician thing. You know, for me to say a politician is the most important person in America is like, well, then you don't believe America is, you know, you don't believe America is great because Americans are good. It's a consistency thing for me. I very much see the future of America being in the hands of your people. Now, do the politicians have a role to play? Absolutely. Can they make things go quicker? Absolutely, if they got out of the way. If they lower taxes, reduce regulations, you know, got out of your life, things would go a lot smoother and a lot quicker. But just because they can make things go quicker doesn't mean they're the most important. The reason I'm saying this is because I wanted to give you some background to the, the long conversation we had. But they asked me a question. They said, okay, well, you know, you're an outsider looking in. Who do you think is the most important group of Americans? And I took a long time to digest this question. I took several days and said, leave that with me. I'll come back to you. Because I don't like, that's a deep question. And I don't like just giving a gut reaction to it. If you ask an important question, and it, I think it deserves time, I'm going to say, look, I need to think about that. Let me get back to you. And let me mull over. Let me sleep on it. And I want to share the answer with you that I gave this individual. Um, because I think you might appreciate it, or I'd be interested to see who you think is. So obviously the first off is, is the normal caveat that you know generalizations never work, um, or never hold true. But... I'd try to make it a, as general as possible. But I couldn't pick one group of people. I could not pick, well, this group of people is the most important in America, period. What I did do was I gave a short-term answer, which is in the next 6, 12, 18 months. I gave a medium-term answer in the next 4, 6 years, and I gave a long-term answer. And I want to share those answers with you, and I'd love to love you to think you know, if you want to press pause on this podcast for a few minutes and think, who do you think is the most important group of people? Because I'm going to share my answers with you now. I'm going to start with the short term. And I did a lot of thinking and mulling over this. And this is this is not just a random thought. This was long thought out for me. And I hope you appreciate it. Or at least see where I'm coming from. So in the short term, I can think of no more important group of people than Donald Trump supporters. Those who supported him from day one, those who supported him somewhere in the middle of the primary, those who supported him in just because of the general election. How will you act? How will you act? And how you act will define the short-term future in my eyes of America. Let me explain. You have had before Donald Trump, you've had three presidents. You've actually had many, but let's just focus in on recent history. You have had three presidents in the White House 
whose core set of supporters went silent, who turned nothing into nothing more than a mere cheerleader. I don't know if you remember the 90s, Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. 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 Okay, yes, he did. It didn't matter. They were going to defend Bill Clinton no matter what he did, no matter what he said, no matter how he acted. They were going to defend him because he was their guy. Even when Bill Clinton was wrong, they defended him. It was their life's mission to defend Bill Clinton. But okay, well, that's just the left. What do you expect? You know, they're just they're just the left job. They they're not like us. Okay. Let's fast forward onto George W. Bush. And again, this is not a indictment of their whole presidency, or I'm not judging their whole presidency. I'm just talking to you about the the big headlines to make a point. Do you remember many? Republicans speaking out for the Fourth Amendment, for freedom, for limited government when the Patriot Act was signed. Do you remember that? Back in, was it 2002, 2003? Do you remember many Republicans speaking out when George Bush went on national television and said, I have to destroy the free market to save the free market? you remember many Republicans speaking out? I remember the Conservatives speaking out, but they were lambasted and destroyed. They were just right-wings, right-wingers. They didn't see what he saw. But did you see many Republicans supporting him? And by the way, on the first one, I can't say, I can't, I'm not judging anyone. I didn't speak out against the Patriot Act when it was signed. I defended it. It was only until the second one I defended George Bush, not religiously, but I would defend some decisions which I would try and try and give the other side of points and give the talking points. Up until 2007, my pivot point was when he said, I got to destroy the free market to save it. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just making a point. I was one of those people. Will you be like the Democrats under Obama, who, when he said, I have a pen and I have a phone, did absolutely nothing, said nothing, yet all of a sudden Donald Trump's in the White House and all of a sudden they are worried about executive overreach and they're talking about the Constitution. Would he be like the Democrats under Obama, who, when he was out on the campaign trail going, well, we just got to pass the Affordable Care Act to... And it's going to reduce, you know, the the costs by $2,500 a person. And even though people, many, many people on the right said this is a lie, they defended it. They said, oh, you're just a racist. Because their job was to defend their guy. Will you follow suit? In many ways, the Donald Trump supporters and how they act will define the short-term vision of America. And how they react. Let me give you a couple of recent stories, which I just want to share with you. And again, this is not a bashing, this is just pointing it out. Because some people I know who are Donald Trump supporters think, my role for the next four years is this. 
Anytime he does anything good, I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader. I'm going to be on the front lines. I'm going to be on social media. I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader. When he does stuff I disagree with, I'm guess what? I'm I'm sick that day. I'm, I can't talk. I got a bad voice. I I I can't type. My my thumbs are gone. Don't know why I, I had the sick voice when I was doing the thumbs, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you have a sick voice when you can't type. You know what can I say? And that's their that's their policy. And they think that that's an acceptable policy, and I'm not here to tell them they're wrong, but, you know, all I ever say when people say that to me is, look, you know, when you don't speak, you do speak, and you speak volumes. And then sometimes when you don't speak, you speak louder and more clearly than when you do speak. Let me give you a couple of recent stories that just are important, and they're important for reasons of how you respond to them. And what his supporters will accept. So last week Donald Trump was at a prayer breakfast. I emphasised the word prayer breakfast. And he decided to attack Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because apparently he's he's a bad host of the Celebrity Apprentice. And his ratings are failing. And his ratings aren't good. And that's just what you do at a prayer breakfast. He's starting to get a tone here. The the hint is in the name. You know, when I think of all the things Donald Trump should be worried about, the economy, foreign policy, Middle East, Russia, trade deals with Britain, the economy, 17, sorry, not even 17, God, I'm, I take 17 trillion, 19.9 trillion dollars in debt, underemployment, food stamps, excessive bloated government, when you have all these problems to worry about as president, I don't care what your name is, the last thing I expect you to be worried about is the ratings of a TV show. Even if it is a TV show you set up and and were the founding host of. I think you should be worried about different things. How you will act with those type of scenarios will be key. But that's only a small one. That's just a case of why are you talking. And Because all the media, it's just like, honest to God, it's annoying as hell. So Donald Trump said this at a prayer breakfast and Arnold Schwarzenegger responded and apparently he wants to slam Donald Trump's face into a desk. Well, that's just wonderful. That's going to make everyone just feel great about America, isn't it? Where you have a Hollywood actor talking about slamming the president's face into a desk. Wonderful. It's nothing more than a distraction. You know, it's so sad in many years, regardless of who's president, whether it's a Republican or whether it's a Democrat, so many people follow the bouncing ball. Oh, we're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger now. Let's just talk about this for a few minutes. No. Let's keep our eye on the prize. Let's keep the eye on the Constitution, freedom, limited government, or whatever your principles are. But there's a bigger one. If you're a long-time listener to this show, you know one thing that really annoys me is when politicians of any party speak down about America. On Super Bowl Sunday... Donald Trump gave an interview with Bill O'Reilly. And he compared America to Russia, saying America's done bad things too. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time into this because I, I just, I'm losing... I'm losing the will to respond to this revisionist history bullcrap. And it is bullcrap. I'm sorry if that offends you or I didn't give you a trigger warning, but it is bullcrap. 
I'm sick of this revisionist history where people seem to want to rewrite American history and world history all in one go. You know, I there are times I would love to have a chat with Donald Trump or, or politicians. You know, and, and when I hear comments like that, I kind of go, Donald, I'd love to ask you so many questions. I would love to talk to you on so many different angles about the revisionist history of, you know, America and Russia. You know, Donald, can you point to me, and I would say this to anyone, this is not a Donald Trump thing, this is anyone. If you're listening to this and you kind of think, well, you know, he does have a point there about Russia and America, let me ask you some questions. Can you point to me America's equivalent to Lenin? Can you point to me America's equivalent of Stalin? Can you point to me America's equivalent of how Russia acted towards the Jews in World War II? Can you act and show me the moral equivalent of how Russia acted during the Cold War? and Soviet aggressions. Can you point to me and show me the moral equivalence to, I don't know, the, the thing called, what's that thing called? Yes, you know, people like me aspire to, oh yes, the American dream. Can, can you show me the moral equivalent to the American dream, you know, the Russian dream? Tell me, tell me what it is. Can you point to me the, the moral equivalence of, I don't know, the Constitution? You know, where one set of founders said, all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights among those life, liberty, and property. Or as you might know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Can you point that out to me? Can you point out to me the, the revolutionary inventions that Russia made? You know, because if America and Russia are the same, can you point these out to me? Can you point out how Russia existed prior to 1776? And yet it didn't change the world. America didn't. And when it was founded, it revolutionized the world. It changed it. You know, when I read history, and now I get granted, I don't read this revisionist history in the world, but when I read history, there's one country that changed the way the world works through innovation. You know, where... I don't know, to quote a famous book, you know, a country took a 5,000 year leap. How in 200 plus years, America, true innovation has changed the way we work, how we deal with things, how we innovate. Can you share the times Russia did that? Can you share the moral equivalence? Can you share the moral equivalence of inventions that some of you might not like? Facebook. Where's the moral equi- Russian moral equivalent to Facebook? And Facebook has problems, but can you think of a better communication tool that you have right now where you can talk to anyone, engage with anyone? Can you show me the moral equivalent of some great inventions that Amer- you know Russia came up with? Because if they're the same, they must have some great inventions. Can you show me the, the Russian equivalent to Google, to Apple? to Microsoft, to technology? Can you show me the Russian moral equivalent to Tesla? 
even to Thomas Edison. Maybe that's a more apt, if you know the, the real history, maybe that's a more apt saying and relativism. You know, this moral equivalency of America and Russia are on the same page, let me assure you, they are not. Let me assure you, they are not on the same page. Right now, that's history, right now, what, I don't fear about America invading Europe and annihilating Europe and becoming a king of Europe. If you look in the right circles and people don't really want to talk about this because it's it's a big secret, ladies and gentlemen. It's a big secret. I worry about Russia as they slowly, slowly, slowly move about a half a footstep a month into Ukraine and to, into Eastern Europe. And they do it so slowly, no one pays attention. Because when was the last time you saw a story on Ukraine? Just think about that. When was the last time you saw a story on Ukraine? Is is that issue all of a sudden gone? Is it over? Is it peacetime now? It's not. Just no one's reporting on it unless you know in the right places. This moral equivalency needs to stop. Now, for all those people out there who said, Oh, you just insulted all of Russia. Well, I share the Reagan philosophy on Russia. Their government is an evil, evil thing. Their people are wonderful. I know some Russian people. They don't live in Russia anymore. There's a reason for it. There was a story breaking out this news this week. I don't know if you heard it, but one of the big opposition leaders who was hoping to challenge Vladimir Putin has now been decided, oh, guess what? You can't run for presidency in 2018. You tell me when that happened in America? Where a sitting president said, you can't run. Can you? Can you tell me? Because apparently they're all the same. You can believe what you want. If you share a different opinion of me you, and you think Russia is somehow morally equivalent to America, then we agree to disagree. I'm not your enemy. But I would ask you to strongly look into history. i got to take a quick break, America, but when I come back, I'm going to give you the medium and long-term answers. And what I think might, might throw you a bit of a curveball with one of the answers. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com liars. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, before I share my medium and long term answers with you, 
I want to share some really exciting news with you. Um, I'm really pumped to share this with you. I'm I'm really excited for this opportunity. Um, I do a lot of work for a lot of different projects and a lot of different companies. Um, I work with the Blaze. I love it. I love everything I do with the Blaze. But I've recently, as in late last year, started in a new role with a, another media organization, and it's a newbie company. And it's a company called Lanterns Buzz Media Network. And my job is the head of radio. I'm really passionate about radio. I love it. Um, I love listening. I love helping people. And my job is basically to find content creators. So on on this other note, if you um, want to get involved, if you want to write, if you want to get in radio, want to get involved behind the scenes, you want to get involved in a company that's growing, um, get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple on Facebook, Freedom's Disciple or Jonathan Dunn. Drop me a private message. Don't send it in public. I beg you. Um, but yeah, if you know anyone wanting to get involved, um, please consider getting in touch with me. But one of the things I'm really excited about is I'm going to be at CPAC. And not only am I going to be at CPAC, because it's my first one, I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited to meet lots of people. If you're there, um, definitely look me up. I'd love to love to talk to you and get to know you. But the thing I'm most excited about is um, Lanterns are going to be there covering CPAC. We're going to be on Radio Row. And I think we're still putting this together with CPAC, but I think we're going to have about 10 hours of live radio a day, giving you the best coverage, giving you the best analysis, giving you the best interviews. I've already got some interviews confirmed for the week. I can't share them with you because we haven't got days and times, but we've got some really exciting interviews, and I'll share more with you on next week's show of, of how you can get it, if you want to follow and get involved or you want to listen um, but we're going to give you CPAC coverage the best that we possibly can. We're all doing this on a volunteer basis. None of us are paid. Um, because I know people have this opinion of paid media. Uh, I'm not paid for this show. I'm not paid for my writing. I'm not paid for my speaking. I do everything on a volunteer basis. I'm here to serve your country. And I'm doing a CPAC on a volunteer basis as well. I'm paying for my own hotel. And... Uh, my own transport and everything. It's all on a volunteer basis. But we're do, we're dedicated. We're a group of people who are really passionate about the future of America and want to share the principles and the story. So watch on my social media for more exciting announcements. But I don't think you're going to... I think you're going to want to tune in CPAC week because I, I... You're going to... I just think I'm excited for it. And I'm... I'm working hard and I'm nervous for it, but I think you're going to really like it. So, But if you want to get involved, just drop me a message. Back to business. So who is the most important term in the media? Or, sorry, who are the most important people medium term? Well, again, I thought long and hard about this, and I'll be honest with you. I can't think of anyone more apt than the Democratic Party and the Democratic people more so. John, did you say the Democratic Party? But they're all, you know, they're all Marxists. They're all socialists. They're all big government progressives. They're all anarchists. They all, they all want to destroy and tear things down, and they want to riot on the street. And they're all horrible. And they're just all abortion-loving, hippie, freed love, contracepting rights-demanding, horrible people. Why would they be important? Okay, let me answer that. First, again, like I started at the start, generalizations are never true. I have many friends in the Democratic Party. 
sorry, I need to stop because that makes me sound different. I have many friends who are Democrats and who are lifelong Democrats. They're not in the party. They just vote Democrat. That's the truth. Not in the party. I don't have any friends in either party. I'm persona non grata. <laughs> Do you think anyone in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party wants to hang around with me? <laughs> that, that, that is funny. Um, but on a serious note, the Democratic people, what will you accept? What will you tolerate? And what, will, what way will you drag your party? Because right now, there is no doubt the party is heading a lot left it's heading towards that, you know, George Soros, Occupy Wall Street, Weather Underground, Black Panthers, bad, bad to the core party, as a party. And it's a party that's heading that way, and it, in truth it's been heading that way for 17 years now. You know, where you have the likes of Joe Lieberman who feels like he doesn't belong there. And what will their people do? Will their people just accept it and go, well, I'm a Democrat, I've always been a Democrat, vote Democrat? Or when they realize who, if their party is going that road and they don't want to do it, where will they go? Because here's the thing I know many Democrats, and they're not bad people. You know, I hate this where I see this online on social media, I see it all the time and it just irritates me because I see a potential for freedom loving people to reach out to people. But where these people post all these things, the problem with America is the Demo-rats. Um, and they, they, they capitalize the R-A-T-S. And I kind of go, do you ever reach out to people? You know, are there bad Democrats? Absolutely. Are there Democrats who are big governments, socialists who, you know, want to riot? Absolutely. There are bad people on both extremes. But there are people who I know who are in their 40s and their 50s. And they voted Democrat their whole life. But they're not bad people. They're not pro-abortion. They're pro-life. Some of them are pro-gun. Some of them just believe in a bigger safety net. They believe, they would. what they would say, and they say this to me all the time, is look, the difference between me and you is we both want to, and they've said this to me, we both want to rein in like the Department of Education. The biggest difference is you want to abolish it. I don't. I want to make it run better. Now, it's the same excuse. It's always run better, you know, do different things, hire different people. It is the usual excuses that you hear from them. But it's just a fundamental disagreement. You know, they, would, they wouldn't like to abolish the IRS. They want it. They want, you know, the Department of Energy. They believe in that type of government. But here's the thing. There's two problems with a lot of my Democratic friends, which I'm trying to break down. One is... And it's not an ignorance level. It's just they don't care about politics too much. Which it, quite a lot of people are like that. They don't watch politics. They don't read. They don't read philosophy. They don't read what the other side is saying. They don't do analysis. They just watch five, ten minutes of news a day. and Or if it's a big news day, they'll hear stuff. And then they'll just go on about their daily lives. But when I actually talk to some of my Democratic friends, I find myself agreeing with some of them. Because they'll, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, how the right is for big business. And I'm like, no, some of us, some of the people on the right are, but I'm not. We're for free markets. We're for the individual. The answer on the medium term is how, what will they do? 
will they become it's just time to get payback and Donald Trump is just so bad and they'll accept anybody to replace him with will they get into bed with the more extreme factions within their party and just turn a blind eye and, and do like so many of my friend, other friends do on the right well you know when people say things I agree with I'll share them and support them but when I disagree with them I'll just be silent So in the medium term, in the next four years, it's going to be interesting. They play a big role. If they could get back to a party of norm, of historical Democratic Party, I think it would be good for them and I think it would be good for the country. Because I know some of my friends listening right now will be going to go, why are you worried about the Democratic Party? Why? Because as much as the two-party system in America sucks, a one-party system is even worse. I lived in a country, I live in a country called Ireland. For a vast majority of my adult life and my child life, one party dominated politics, and that was Fianna Fáil. It was never a question of who's going to be in government. It was always a question of, will Fianna Fáil go in by themselves, or will they need someone to go into government with, because we've got a parliamentary system. But Fianna Fáil dominated, and that dominance led all the way to a bank bailout. It led to being bailed out by the EU and the IMF. It led to economic hardships that many people had not known. And are still in some ways in economic hardships. The effect it has on people, it's incredible. So while the two-party system does suck in America, a one-party system, in my opinion, would be a lot worse. And then on to the most longest, the long-term people. Again, I have to keep adding this caveat, you know, generalizations don't work. And the long-term answer is, and I'll be brutally honest with you, it's Christians. It's Christians who go to church, it's Christians who belong to a religion, it's Christians who don't, who are just Christians. It's Christians, pastors, preachers, priests, long-term I can't think of a group more important than you. And I would also include our Jewish brothers and sisters and their rabbis. When you read America's history, it's hard to it's hard to understand a way it happens without the pulpits. I dare say America's revolution, if it happened without the pulpit's role, probably would have been just like any other revolution the world has ever seen since or before it it would have just overthrown the British and just went among your lives and not changed a thing you know many people think today which is something I want to try and change if I can in my own little way when the revolution started everyone thinks it started when you declared your dependence on July 2nd 1776 the truth is I could make an argument the revolution started in 1720. I could go all the way back to the Mayflower. That's when your revolution really started. Your revolution, let's just go with 1720. Your revolution started in the pulpits. You read the Declaration of Independence. You read the Constitution. You read the Bill of Rights. And you see how much is directly or indirectly taken from Scripture. 
That wasn't by pure fluke. That wasn't by pure chance. There wasn't a load of Dick Morris's of the day and Frank Luntz's of the day going around poll testing words. Your founders put those words in there for a reason. And it is a reason that is incredible. It's because they knew they were eternal truths. They were true at the time of Christ. They were true at at your founding. They're true today and they'll be true in a hundred years time. You have certain rights. You're born with them. They come from your creator. And among these are life, liberty, property and the pursuit of happiness. I cannot see a way forward if Christians don't stand up. If Christians don't follow scriptures and are, are the people they're called to be each and every day. Do atheists have a role? Sure they do. Each and every American listening or who doesn't listen or who doesn't know me has a key, key role to play in America. But just as a generalization, as a group of people, this is who I think are the short, medium and long term. I don't see how America can be that beacon of hope long term and for the foreseeable future without the Christians, without the pulpit. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm not saying this is this is fact. I'm saying this is my opinion. I don't see how it happens. And when I see what my Christian brothers and sisters have accepted, it's so sad. You know, one of the saddest things I get, I, I get my own share of hate online. I'm not popular. Shocker, I'm not popular. <laughs> it's, it's ironic. People, you know... You know, I've never been popular my whole life. You know, you think my views... You know, I love this. You know, all our, our liberal friends talking about minorities. You know, you're a minority. You you have to be protected. And I kind of go, I wonder would that apply to me? Because my views aren't exactly popular in Ireland. I'm in a land of 4.5 million people. I'd say I, if there are five people who share my views, I am lucky. Is there a bigger minority than that? Um, I wonder would I get minority protection with the Democratic Party? Hmm, that's an interesting question. But back to the original point. You know, when I see my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, you can say it to me you want. You know, a lot of the times all I ever ask is if you're going to insult me, you know, make it original. Oh, you're fat. Oh, well done, you just insulted me at a four-year-old. Could do. But when I see the amount of Christians who are so adamant in insulting, you know, I work for Satan. I sold my soul, worked for Satan. Well, technically, since there was no money exchange in hands, I don't think I could sell my soul. Um, but, you know, I'm open to being told I'm wrong on that as well. But the vitriol of, you know, you're not Christian enough. You know, I'm not a Christian because I don't belong to a religion. You know, Christians have so much going on in the world. are under so much attack in many places. And yet all we can care about is our own little, well, you don't belong to my religion, so you're not real. I've often said this on this show and in, in speeches and in writings. Can you imagine a world where Christians actually got their act together and actually acted like they were called to act each and every day? You know, where they were loving. 
where they loved everyone where they tried to offer a kind word where they didn't do insults where they forgave others where they reached out yes where they actually reached out to people you know yes including the democrats you know if if um if jesus can sit with a prostitute and, and a tax collector surely you can sit with a democrat for a few minutes and actually try to change the world for a better that would be a great world that'd be a wonderful world and can you imagine if we actually united really united with our jewish brothers and sisters wow and i don't mean uniting and condemning other people i don't believe in this condemning it's not my right i don't have the right to condemn anyone but this oh you you don't live the way i live you you you're in a rotten hell so they're my short medium and long term short term donald trump supporters medium term democrat supporters long term christians where do you see do you agree do you disagree did i forget someone let me know i, I say i love engaging with you whether you're nice to me or not whether you agree with me or not i'll always answer you i'm on twitter freedom disciple facebook freedoms disciple or jonathan dunn 58 i gotta take a quick break america don't go anywhere because i got an economic subject i want to talk to you about right after this break you're listening to freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network And then the chicken sandwich. I don't know what they do with the chicken, but it's fantastic. Well, first they kill it, and then they uh, <laughs> and they cut it off. You're probably right about that. You are. That's probably accurate. I've never eaten a live chicken at yeah. Wendy at yeah. uh, Chick Fil A or Wendy's. Usually don't you see one. Never see it. No. Usually don't see one. <laughs> Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. versus freebies this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network thank you so much for sticking with me america i hope the first couple of segments gave you something to think about something to ponder about this weekend honestly that's all i ever try and do um on this show i mean this from the bottom of my heart you know i thank you for listening investing an hour of your week listening to me but if you this topics you want me to cover um, give you my opinion on or, or to give you the history side of it or the way I see things as an outsider just drop me a message um, this is your show I'm here to talk about stuff that's not that you don't hear everywhere else you know a lot of people are talking about the, the riots in Berkeley this week horrific disgusting vile um, you know it's it's not a protest if you start destroying people's property and but I know everyone covers it. So I I try and think outside the box to give you stuff. I don't want to be involved in the day-to-day politics. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions was confirmed this week, which is interesting news. He seems like, you know, a decent candidate. It'll be, I hope he does well. But I don't tend to, to focus in on a lot of the day-to-day politics. I want to talk to you about more substance. My aim for all this show is only to ever give you things to think about. I never, ever want you to have my opinion. Ever. I want you to have your opinion. 
if if we share opinion perfect wonderful but i want you to form your own opinion on your own basis because we're all individuals with that being said i want to give you just some i want to give you some facts and figures because one of the things that troubles me most is whether you agree with me or not i am a big free market economics person I am very much in the line of Milton Friedman type of economics. He's one of my heroes. Um, his words, his videos, his writings have inspired me. I believe in the free market, absolute. And that is just who I am. You don't have to agree with this. This is who I am. But over the last two years or 18 months, there's been a lot of talk from people on the right about tariffs. And I don't, I'm not here to talk about tariffs and give me a, you my opinion on it. If you've heard I'm a free markets guy, you've heard me talk in the past, you know my opinion. But I just want to give you some facts and figures about tariffs. I don't want to talk to you about even about history today. I don't want to talk to you about American history on tariffs, smooth holly. I just want to talk to you about figures. Just to give you an example of what's going to happen. And I would hope if you like this segment, it'll be one of the short clips on the show. If you like this, this is just pure facts and figures to get you thinking about tariffs. Please share it with someone who is open to them. Because I've been covering a lot of economics over the last couple of weeks in different parts and different stories. Because here's the thing. I believe one of the biggest problems about economics in the world today is economics is very about the individual. It's about you and what you can do and and how you can move and get an upward mobility. But it is a subject that we never discuss in individual terms. We always talk in the collective. And it's something I'm trying to change with, you know, some of these stories. Like last year week I did the story on Ronaldo the footballer. You know, and how he, him's been rich and spending his money and what he spends his money on creates jobs directly and indirectly. I'm trying to counter those narratives. But I, I don't want to talk to you about opinion today. I want to talk to you about facts and figures on a tariff, what a tariff does. So let's just use a simple example, right? Very simple. We're a family, and we buy tortillas. We love tortillas. We eat them with salads. We eat them with chicken. We eat them with steak. We just love them. We love tortillas. And in our local grocery, wherever you buy stuff, whether it's Kmart, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Target, whether it's Kroger, wherever it is. But we go to this shop and we buy a pack of tortillas for a dollar. A dollar. But we're a family and we're poor. And we're limited in our income. We're one of the families who lives pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck which is roughly according to certain reports about 33% of american families and american households 33% live paycheck to paycheck that's america today so what happens a tariff comes on board and because i i use tortilla for a reason because mexican in Mexico, that new tariff, that tortilla costs, let's just keep it simple, let's not get into the, the sales tax and stuff, let's just keep it very simple. With that tariff, that now pack of tortillas costs twenty. Now let's say 
I I'm living pay paycheck to paycheck and I buy a lot of tortillas. Let's say I happen to buy five packs a week. Well, each week you've just taken a dollar of my income away because of a tariff. Over the year, that's $52. But John, $52 isn't that much. It's only a small amount. It's worth it. Well, first of all, it's $52 more to the government. And it's $52 I have less. But also, that $52 that I had, that I no longer have because of this tariff, affects me. You know, with that $52 a year, I might have bought extra guacamole. I might have bought extra fruit, extra meat. Might have bought an extra toy for my kid. So not only are you limiting my income, but you're also hurting jobs, other people's jobs. They might be American jobs, they might be overseas jobs, but you're hurting someone. And if you remember correctly, and if you listen to last week's segment, we got to stop thinking like economics as it's just a simple transaction. It affects many people. You know, directly and indirectly. The people who make the parts, the people who do light, heat, insurance, land. They're all affected by your inability to purchase. Marketing, there's a theory in marketing called the four P's. It's called price, product, promotion, place. It's the reason you buy things. You buy it because it's all you can afford. You buy it because it's the product you like. You buy it because it's on sale, it's on promo. Or there's a certain thing um, where like you, you buy a certain thing and you get it into a jackpot for a holiday. Or you're rewarded. You know, at the end of the year, you get points and you get coupons. Or you buy it because it's the only place you can buy it. Place. A lot of people buy things because of price. I know I do. It's all I can afford. When you do a tariff, that's who you're affecting. When you read the history of tariffs, you affect the most poorest and most vulnerable in society. But even those who don't live paycheck to paycheck, let's just go and let's go up an income level. You know, the people who are comfortable, you know, what you would call, and I hate, I can't believe I'm using this word, but you use it all the time, you know, the middle class. That tariff on those tortillas, that family who still buys five packs, what are you doing? It's only $52 a year. You know, they're comfortable. They can afford it, right? Well, you've just taken $52 a year of their disposable income. And that's only on one product. It could be on many, many other products. I'm just trying to keep this simple. Not giving you opinion, give you facts and figures. You're taking away their disposable income. You're taking away their buying power. They can now buy less because you want a tariff. But let's go even one step deeper. Let's say, because, you know, this is the people who are never discussed when it comes to tariffs. But they have a bigger impact on other people. Because people will say, well, 
look, you know, I feel sorry for the, you know, the poor family, you know, who's living paycheck to paycheck. But, you know, the, the people we want to hit with this tariff is the filthy rich. You know, those millionaires and billionaires, you know, those people we hate, that we despise, because they can afford it. Uh-huh. So let's take that filthy, filthy rich millionaire. And, you know, let's just take Ronaldo as an example. He earned all that money from Nike. He earns, he's never going poor, right? Unless he does something incredibly stupid. But he's a lifetime guaranteed contract with Nike. He is never going poor. He's never going to live the life I live, for example. It's just not going to happen. But let's say, because he can afford it, right? So let's say he buys a hundred grand watch from Mexico. Or car. Whatever word. You know, pick your own example. That's a hundred grand. A 20% economic tariff makes that product 120 grand. Now, our friends on the left would laugh at this and go, huh, John, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a millionaire 10,000 times over. He can afford an extra 20 grand, right? Mm-hmm, sure. But you don't think of the economic consequences. So a product, you know, that was 100 grand is now 120 grand. Eh, big deal. I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo would be going, ah, you know, 20 grand, I, I laugh at 20 grand. Here, there you go, take it. I'm not going to change my buying habits because someone wants to put a tariff on something. Okay. But look at the impact that has. That person, in this case Ronaldo, has 20 grand less to spend because of tariff. That person, Ronaldo, has 20 grand less in disposable income. He could have been out. He could have blown that twenty grand on fancy meals and champagne and living a high life. Can't do that anymore because the twenty grand is paid for a tariff. He could have put it into research and development. Going, you know what? My 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 fancy football hotel is doing really well in Portugal. Football's growing in America. You know, I have a place in Trump Towers. You know, maybe New York needs a fancy football hotel. Let's look into that. You know, let's let's I'm gonna pay some market person to to research that and see if there's a need for it, if people would go to it. Because soccer's grown in America, right? Well, he might still do that, but he's twenty grand less in his wallet. Or even if he just did something simple where he had that twenty grand and he put it in the stock market, put it in a bank to get a return on his investment. Whatever he does each and every year in his investment portfolio, he has 20 grand less on that one purchase. This all affects jobs, both directly and indirectly. This is the economic theory that is the truth. I have shared no opinion on this. I haven't said if it's good or bad. I'm giving you the facts and figures in the hope that you do your own research, think about it, and maybe share this with a friend to see if they can really think about the the process of a tariff. Because I'll, I'll leave you with one question and I would ask you. Is there anyone in America right now who looks at the American government and goes, do you know what the problem is? We just don't get enough tax revenue. We need more taxes. I don't care whether it's, and this is not political, this is not a, a Donald Trump thing or... Because some people have, I engaged a lot of people on tariffs on my wall, and it was like, you're at, you're against the wall. No, why would I be against the wall? Um, hello, I'm waiting 13 years 
wall is potentially good for me. In theory, in theory, it increases my potential chances of becoming American and getting over there. Why would I be against that? I'm not talking about a wall. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I am talking about a tariff. And trying to break it down to its simplest, simplest core. But is there anyone in America who thinks and looks at the government right now and says, you know what the problem is? The government just doesn't collect enough revenue. Just doesn't have enough money. I'm sure Bernie Sanders would say that. I'm sure Barack Obama would say that. I'm sure Hillary Clinton would say that. But what about people on the right? Also, I just want to give you one last fact just to think about. You'll hear in the media, and Donald Trump will say this at the minute, but I just want to give you a fact just to think about. How you've been exploited in trade, how you're doing all these bad deals. Fact. America is currently the second largest exporter in the world. Let me say that again. America is the second largest exporter in the world. You're only behind China as the biggest exporter. But let's put that into context, shall we? Your position is so dominant. You export so much stuff that you export more in value, in value, in dollar terms, than the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth largest exporters combined. That is how much you export compared to other people. If you want to go down a tariff route, because here's the thing. Think about yourself. Think about your own self. Let's say me and you are neighbors, and we have some type of agreement, and we share stuff. And you buy a product from me, and I buy a product from you. If I all of a sudden say to you, my products are going up 20%, what are you going to do back to me? Your products are going to go up 20%. Then I might go up 30%, and then you're going to go up 30%. How does that end well? America is the second biggest exporter in the world. Is that something you want to risk with a trade policy? Especially when you think the world is against you right now. Everyone in the world is uniting around Donald Trump sucks. All I ask you is this, and I'll share more about tariffs in the weeks ahead. But this is just not an opinion. I didn't want to share my opinion today, even though you know most of my opinion. But I want to share history with you down the road. These are the facts and figures laid bare. And a family everyday example for you to take, think and take about. I don't ask you to agree with me. I don't ask you to disagree with me. All I ask for you is to, to process this, think about this, think about the situation you're in and think about the impact it will have on other jobs, other economies, other people's jobs and disposable income. i got to take one last quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm 
Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has given you something to think about, something to ponder. I just want to finish up with a couple of quick points. And I want to just share one last think theory with you. Just I want you to think about something going into the weekend. Man, oh man, last weekend was the Super Bowl. And... The first thing I found amazing, and I didn't talk about this, I didn't comment on it, I didn't. I don't think I said anything about it, but the hysteria over Lady Gaga was incredible to watch. You know, <clears throat> I get the whole halftime show is a big deal in America, I get that. I get it that it's America's game, I, I get all the, 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 you know, the hype and the pomp and circumstances, but, you know... I've never really watched the halftime show. I don't really care for it. But the hatred on all sides was incredible. The the drumming up. You know, if 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 you live in a world and in a country where the biggest issue is what Lady Gaga is going to do at the halftime show, you know, is she going to you know give a salute to Muslims? Is she is she going to talk about divisiveness? Is she going to make a political message? If that's the only problem you have in your country, you are swimming. You are sorted. But it was an incredible Super Bowl. Absolutely incredible. And I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you about the Super Bowl. Because it's not about the game itself. It's about the principles behind it. You know, I'm not a I'm a big football fan. If you see my profile picture on some social media, you'll see I wear a Giants jersey. I'm a lifelong Giants fan. I love the Giants. I will be Giants till I die. And, you know, I have fond memories of the New England Patriots. We beat them twice in the Super Bowl. But the thing I want to talk to you about is... Is many people want to say things today, like America's situation is hard, it's impossible, it can't be done. It can be done. America's history is that of making the impossible possible. America's history is that of doing incredible things from exploring the swamp to the stars from innovating like no nation has ever innovated before from to making things like technology just everyday occurrences not something special you know like if you look at just i'm in my 30s just look at the size of a computer and what a computer could do when i was born to what it can do today it's incredible 
it's just amazing. It's it's breathtaking how lucky we are. You know, it's when you look at longer in history. You know, it's not that long ago. It's we're only a couple of generations removed from where people didn't have lights in the house. They just didn't flick a switch and light went on. They didn't have indoor plumbing. You know, we have advanced so far so quickly. It is a 5,000-year leap in many ways, to quote the book. But I want to talk to you about... There are three lessons that I think everyone can take from that Super Bowl. And it's about Tom Brady and about the New England Patriots. You know, one of the things, and I've spoken about this before, is... Number one thing you can learn. It's amazing what you can do when you have actual belief in yourself. The biggest deficit I think in many ways we have, it's not a financial deficit. It's a belief deficit. I think many people in the world, in America, left, right, top, bottom, have a belief problem. They don't think they can change the world. They don't think they can amount to anything. They don't think they can be popular. They don't think they can make a difference. You watch that Super Bowl. You watch what Tom Brady did. At one point... He was down 28-3, and there was five minutes left in the third quarter. How many people do you think would have been sitting on the sideline going, (laughs) 28-3 down, about 20 minutes of football left to play? Many people do you think would have been, ah, look, it's always next year. I give up. You know, it was nice. I got to the Super Bowl. That's something to be proud of, huh? There's always next year, right? Well... When the chips are down, you learn about character. You learn about what you're going to do, what inner belief you have. When you're down 28 to 3 and you're still fighting like Tom Brady fought in that Super Bowl, who fought for every inch, for every yard, for every point, that shows inner belief. That shows he believes he can do it. That even when the chips are down, when everything is going against you, I can still overcome it. Regardless of your political opinion, left, right, I think that is something we can all admire. The second thing is, a lot of people in this world want to do things. A lot of people want to be famous. A lot of people want to be rich. A lot of people want to change business. A lot of people want to be creators, innovators. In many ways, one of the biggest things that stops people is, if you believe it, and you believe you can do it, is they're not willing to make the personal sacrifice. You know, everyone control football. I control football. You control football. We can't do it like Tom Brady can. Because he made a personal sacrifice. Because what you see of Tom Brady on the field is probably about 5% of his job. You see the football on a Sunday. You see the football on Thanksgiving, on Christmas. You see the football... On in the postseason and in the Super Bowl. That's only the payoff. The personal sacrifice is working day in and day out on your craft, eating right, doing the right things. How many days have you woken up in the morning where you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired, I just want to stay in bed? He got up. He made that sacrifice. He made the family sacrifices to play every Sunday for four months of the year. Made the sacrifice to potentially play on holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas. When you want to be successful, you have to believe in yourself, but you also have to make a personal sacrifice. Now, I know people might hear that and go, sacrifice their football players. It's 
you know, it's no, in the grand scheme of things, it's no big deal. I agree. In the grand scheme of things, it's not. But when you make it that type of sacrifice, I think it's something to be saluted. Because other people make sacrifices in their lives. Many people do you know who are successful businessmen, businesswomen, who sacrifice a bit of family time just to, to be more successful, to, to have that extra bit of paycheck so they can live that extra comfortable life. How many people do you know make the personal sacrifice never to go out? So, you know, I see this all the time, you know, parents make sacrifice, they never spend money, they don't go out, they don't live, just so their kids can go to college. It's all about sacrifice. We all do it in some way, shape, or form. But to be successful, and this is a message no one ever says today, but to be successful, you have to make personal sacrifices. But the most impressive feat, honestly, is this. I think this is the message America should, I hope, takes. Is when you're reading sports, or you, you hear sports, you see sports interviews with people who are just starting their careers, you know... You think, I just want to win one Super Bowl. Just want to win one World Series. Just want to win one ring. Win one? Okay. Whether you like Tom Brady or not, whether you like the New England Patriots or not, there is something special about people who win several times. You know, it takes that inner drive to keep going, to reevaluate your goals, to reset them. Okay, I hit that goal. I won my ring. What am I going to do next? Am I going to ride on my coattails? Am I just going to enjoy life? Or am I going to set reset the goal and go, I want to win two. And then when you win two, to go, I'm going to reset it again. I want to win three. That inner drive to keep wanting more, to keep wanting things to be better, to keep wanting that success, I think is incredibly powerful. But also added to that is the feat that, at a time, you look at the list of people who are quarterbacks who have started an NFL Super Bowl game over 35. When you're 35 in the National Football League, you're kind of thinking, hey, it's retirement time. What am I going to do after football? Will I be an analyst? Will, it, will I be a coach? Will I set up a media company? Will I do nothing? Will I just live off my money? Will I give speeches? Whatever it is. When Tom Brady hit 35, he won another two Super Bowls. That inner drive to not accept a box that people want to put around you. Oh, you're 35, you're a quarterback. Yeah, you're doing nothing for the rest of your life. It's time to go out the pastures. I think that is something we can all appreciate, that not fitting into that box is something that can be inspiring. I find it inspiring. And specifically this last one, because we're talking about retirement. You know, we live in this culture where we're all defined by young people. The successor, the failure of the millennial is going to be the successor failure of America. Now that might be partly true, but if you're 60 or 70 or even 80 or 90, and you're thinking, well, I'm retired, what can I do? If you're here, you're here for a reason. If you're here right now, you have something to do. You have the potential to do something amazing. Tom Brady did it. He won two Super Bowls after his 35th birthday. Two. He broke the barrier. Age is only a number. I don't know what age you are or what situation you're in, but if you're here, regardless of your age, age is a number that is on a birth cert. Age is a number that's on your driver's license. Age is not something that should define you. 
If you're out there and you think you have something to do, don't let's say, well, I'm too old, I can't learn. Even if it's just something simple like learning a new skill. I'm too old, I can't learn the internet. Yeah, you can. I'm too old, I I don't know how to work the new TV. Yeah, you can. I'm too old, I want to learn a new hobby. I want to learn how to, to be a woodworker. Or I want to learn how to you know work with metal. Okay, age shouldn't stop you. Go for it. Age is only a number. Whether it's 9, whether it's 19, whether it's 30, whether it's 40, whether it's 66, whether it's 99, it is a number. You are as young as you feel. And if you have that motivation and you have that belief in you that you can learn some new tool and you're willing to make that sacrifice, age shouldn't stop you. Age should not stop you. Nothing should stop you. Just have to believe in yourself. As always, I thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope I have given you something to think about this weekend. Please consider sharing this with your friends and your family. If you enjoyed any part, whether it's the whole show, we're releasing the whole show on the Saturday at noon Eastern now, and we're releasing the short clips on Monday. Please share them. I really appreciate any support you can give me. I'm trying to get this show to a bigger platform, but I can't do it without you. We're all a team, and this isn't for my gratification or anything about me. This is about doing anything and everything I can to help your wonderful nation to speak out for your principles, for your values. And remember, I'll be at CPAC in two weeks. I'll share more details with you next week on next week's show, but I can't wait to share and speak at Radio Row from CPAC for you. And I hope you'll enjoy some of the coverage and check it out as we're there for lanterns. And as always, America, we finish the show the same way we do each and every week, by saluting the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. If you heard nothing over the last hour, but this is all you hear, remember this. Take this into your weekend. America is great because Americans are good. So what I'm saying is America is an exceptional nation because of each and every one of you. Never, ever forget that. Until next week, America, have a wonderful and peaceful week. God bless, and God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 